Hello, I want to welcome you to Kingdom Success University, which is a faith-based podcast that teaches kingdom principles in a practical but strategic way. Some of the key principles that will be highlighted but not limited to are effective communication, developing a success mindset, leadership skills, how to develop healthy relationships, finances, character, and much more. Let us explore how you can personally expand your capacity to succeed in life. Donald Payne Jr. is born and raised in Columbus, Ohio by his lovely parents, Donald and Denise Payne. His father is a real estate professional who was first licensed back in 1979 and have developed wisdom beyond his years. Donald works alongside his parents in their business called Vision Realty. The mission is to lead with a family-first approach with his clients and customers while keeping their best interest in mind and in the forefront of every decision. Being a native of Franklin County, he graduated from Gahanna Lincoln High School and subsequently attended the Ohio State University. Go Bucks! In Donald's spare time, he loves working out, attending church activities, mentoring students, and spending time with family and friends. Donald was awarded the accredited buyer representative destination along with the Vision Realty team. He consistently seeks out educational and technology opportunities to improve his world-class services. The vast majority of Donald's business is now referral-based and nothing is more fulfilling than being referred to family and friends. Well, welcome to Kingdom Success University, where we teach kingdom principles in a practical but strategic way. So uh, I am so excited to have my one of my good friends, yours truly, Donald Payne Jr. How you doing? Doing great, doing great. James, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm just truly excited uh, for us to be meeting together and to be on this episode of Kingdom Principles. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just to take a step back, because I know the audience is like, okay, who is this gentleman? Like, how did you how did you meet him? Well, you know, obviously uh, we met through a business networking uh, event there and uh, had a great connection. But then uh, it continued because I was working for a place at Extra Space Storage and uh, you would stop by because you was getting your car fixed. And we would just have like these deep conversations. We were like, yeah. So uh, we're, we're definitely on that same path of like business ownership, financial freedom. So uh, so that's how we connected. And uh, I saw that you were doing big things, uh, which is which you, you are in real estate. Uh, you'll get into that a little bit here in a moment. So uh, so I reached out LinkedIn, said, hey, let hey, let's do this. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm just so glad to have you on here. So uh, just for the audience sake. Hey, just, uh, you know, name, your family dynamics, uh, like what you do for work, where you're from. And, you know, obviously, what do you like to do for fun when you're not working? Awesome. Awesome. So my name is Donald Payne Jr. Uh, I work at a real estate company with my dad and my mom. We're a family based business and um, we, we do real estate residential sales, helping people buy and sell homes. We also do some investment real estate, renovating and selling the homes and some residential rental property. When I'm not working. Uh, I definitely love to travel. I uh, love to see the world. I uh, love to see what's going on. 
uh, in different places. Uh, and it might be just a few days, little two, three days, four days away. Um, I've been to multiple continent, continents now, looking to go to more continents in the future. I've been doing real estate now eight years and been an entrepreneur a total of about 10 years. Wow. That, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> that's awesome. And, you know, just to kind of jump right into it here, right, because we, we had a conversation um, offline and, you know, obviously I love to be organized. You're like, all right, James, like you're really organized. I was like, I know I'm very detailed. And uh, I asked you about a topic and it was something that I was like, wow, that that's that's pretty cool. So if you want to let the audience know the topic, yeah, that would be great. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, I really want to share today about credit, um, how to get your credit in a certain place. Um, you know, just to emphasize the importance of paying attention to credit. A lot of people come to me and they either want to buy their first house. Uh, they want to invest in real estate. They want to they want to do many things in life. And a lot of times it starts with credit. And uh, I can definitely get into more benefits of having good credit um, and tell you my own story. But I want to let uh, James tell us how he wants to go about it and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, no. So along those lines, because I, I know there's some people out there and I mean, hey, even for myself, uh, when growing up, I, I kind of struggled with credit. You know, I'm like, what, what's credit? You talk about like credit card? Like, OK, yeah, I definitely can get a credit card. Right. But <laughs> I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know. No, that's not it. Right. So yeah, just yeah. for those. And again, we're not trying to insult anybody's intelligence here. Sure. So kind of walk people through, of OK, what is credit? And why is it important to, you know, people, you know, in their life? Well, it's such a great question. So let's, let's kind of break down what credit is. And in, in, in America, in the United States, we want on a, on a credit-based system. Essentially, what that means is you borrow money to buy the things that you want in life. And so some of those things are houses, some of those things are cars, some of those things are experiences, food, shelter, uh, you name it, right? Now, a lot of us in the entrepreneur space have seen that, yes, use credit or use leverage to buy things, but I think you have to be careful how you go about it, right? And so I just want to drop a couple of tips, a couple of hits, a couple of thoughts, how to take care of your credit, how to get good credit, and uh, how to use your credit properly. And as we'll talk more today, there was a time in which I didn't really do that because I didn't have the proper education or I didn't have uh, the, the knowledge or seek out the knowledge to find out how to use my, pre my credit properly. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's just kind of transition into that. Right. Yeah. So you just said uh, in the conversation that that uh, there's a thing as like good money management, because I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that with credit and you want to borrow somebody's money, you, you have to know how to manage your money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just kind of walk the audience through the difference of like good money management practices, bad money management practices that does affect their credit. Absolutely. So let me let me tell you a little bit of a story. So so I became a real estate agent eight years ago, right? Eight years ago it was 2012, 2013. A lot of people were kind of coming out of that recession or really still in it because uh, it really started in 08, 09. And so I saw a lot of people going through bankruptcies, foreclosures, running up credit cards, doing all kinds of things that were that were messing up their credit. And so for me personally, even though I was a real estate agent and I knew the basic process of getting you approved and getting you to, to buy or move into a house. I didn't know how to manage my money as a as a real estate agent, which my, my checks were somewhat inconsistent, especially because I was new in the business. But I didn't know how to manage that money and manage my credit at the same time. And so one of my biggest issues at the time was I used my credit card like a savings account, paid it, paid it down when I had money, ran it up when I didn't have money. 
And so what they did to my credit score, especially by maxing out my credit cards, was that it really dropped my score down pretty, pretty low because it showed my repetitive habits of using that credit card in an improper way. And so what I what I would say is, is a one way that you can really use your credit cards in the right way is to stay below 50% utilization. So if you have a thousand dollar limit, stay, don't use or have a balance of more than $500. Based on the algorithms and stuff, and don't quote me on perfection on this, but it's supposed to actually have your credit score go up. Now, I would tell you this, if you got a credit card that's got a $10,000 limit, I wouldn't use five grand because that's kind of hard to come up with and pay down. And because credit card interest rates are 17 to 21 to 30%, you probably want to just still stay on that one to 2000 or, or less, you know, say that 10 to 20% utilization or less. And so credit cards affect your credit score a lot, but that's also a good way for you to build your credit score is through credit cards. Right. And then this, the second layer of how to build your credit score is probably going through personal loans, student loans, car loans, you know, making sure that you're paying everything on time. Even if your credit card is currently maxed out, make your payments on time. And let's say your payment's too high. Call them, communicate with them, tell them, hey, right now I'm going through a little something, my job having situations. I need you to reduce my payment to $25. Or I need you to just reduce my payment and can I pay you in two months? They will actually cancel your payment and it won't affect your score. And then they'll let you pay in two months. Those are some things that I had to do, right? I started plugging in and learning how to take care of my credit better because I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to get my own home. And I wanted to make sure I, that I was a, also able to be an example for my other homeowners and, and home buyers that I was teaching that I could also practice what I preach. So um, those are just those are some some ideas. I know I dropped a lot on you. So, uh, you know, James, kind of let me know where else do you want to go with it. Yeah. So, no, this is really good. Right. So um, so obviously uh, those are some good like practices in terms of just like understanding yeah, the, the credit card, uh, you know, the credit card utilization and, you know, being able to manage. But let's even let's take it. Let's take it another way. Uh, what what about the money management aspect where like, OK, and, and again, I know this is kind of hard because uh, everybody's in different places. But when sure. it comes to just somebody's working a job and making 40,000, uh, making 40,000 yeah. a year Absolutely. and. They're trying to get a house, but they got a car payment and they got a yeah. credit card and then they got kids. So yeah. like so so how do you help somebody out there to like, hey, how do I manage all that and, and, and still, you know, move my credit in that right direction? You're right. You know, Jay, that's a great question. because That's the majority of my clients are right in that bucket. Right. Two kids, three kids, you know, got car loan. Uh, they're renting right now. They want to buy a house, trying to manage this thing called debt to income ratio. Right. That's a big thing that the banks will look at. What's your debt to income ratio? So if you're making 40000 which is really $3,500 or so a month, you know, how much of your monthly uh, $3,500 income is taken up with debt payments, right? So they definitely want to know that. So generally, what you're going to do is making sure that you're, again, paying down those credit cards for less than 30%, right? You know, 50 50 Going over 50% is gonna is gonna decrease your score. But if you're less than 30%, your score is definitely gonna start going up higher, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can eliminate some of those credit card payments, you can eliminate any of those other personal debts, it's gonna help you qualify for more house, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the the housing lenders are the only ones that, that care about your debt income ratio. Now let me say that. let me not, let me rephrase that. I'm not saying that they that other car lenders and student lenders don't care. They just have a higher threshold, right? They allow you to have more debt. Whereas when it comes to a house lender, 
they want you to have 45% or less of your monthly uh, income going towards that. So what I would tell you is if you can eliminate some of those, those credit cards, so you, your tax return or just steadily paying those off, right? And that'll help you qualify for more house better get the house that you want. Now, what some people don't realize is that a $200 a month car payment takes up $40,000 in buying power, right? Wow. Let, me, let, me, let me break that down for a second. Let me say that again. A $200 a month car payment takes up $40,000 takes up $40, of buying power per house. So that could be somebody qualifying from one neighborhood to the next, from $160,000 house to $200 house. So if you can if you can avoid having a car payment before buying a house and get your car after you buy a house, that would be great. If you can't avoid it, I definitely understand. And if you're already there, just get get in where you fit in. But I'm simply saying those are just some some, not, some good habits going into that home buying process that uh-huh. can definitely help you. So this debt to income ratio, and we're kind of getting off a little bit, but I, I don't care. This is yeah. good. Um, because again, the audience just needs to understand this, right? And say, yeah. okay, hey, well, this is really good stuff to kind of learn, right? So, hey, if I'm trying to get a house or, hey, if I'm trying to even get a car, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to get a car, they check credit, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anything that you're borrowing, I mean, they're going to typically look at your credit. Um, so let's just say, uh, let's just say there are some people out there who are making money but they have bad credit yes. and they're like, and they're like, ah, all right, well, how do they, how, how do they, how do those out there that make a lot of money? I have friends, a lot of yes. friends who, who make a lot of money and I'm like, okay, your credit score is not good. Yes. How, like what, what are some, um, what, what advice would you give them in terms of, Hey, here's how you should start to build up your credit, even though you're making excess amount of money. Yeah. So I would say that if you're making a lot of money, but you don't have the best credit, what I would do is, number one, uh, if you want to go talk to a loan officer, if you want to get a house or a car, go talk to a loan officer. Let them look at your credit credit report, credit score. Most likely what's holding your score back is you got collections. So you either need to settle those collections. You need to get on a payment plan for those collections. You can also do this thing called a pay for deletion. That is, is you pay the full amount of that collection, but before you pay it, you ask them to that to send you a letter stating that they're going to delete it from your credit report after you pay. So that's going to help your score go up. Also, too, I would say get a secure credit card. You know, go to your local credit union, go to your bank. I, I had gotten one from Capital One. I got one from another company called First Progress. And those are places that I went and got a secure credit card. Here's what a secure credit card is. You put up $300 or $200 or $500 or $1,000, whatever it is. For me, it was $300. And that's the amount of credit I had. So essentially, my credit card and my credit is secured by the money that I put up. But even with that low, that small credit card, that $300, I still don't want to go over that 50%. So I still don't want to use more than 150, mm-hmm. right? Because even, even though I had a secured credit card, it doesn't mean that it's helping my credit score if I don't use it properly. That's one of the rules that people don't understand. They have credit cards, but they don't know that they need to stay below that 50% utilization. Right. Got you. Now, Now, let me ask you this. What's a good rule of thumb for people out there when considering about just anything, right? Let's just say, hey, I'm getting out here and I'm thinking about debt. What's a good ratio number that you would give people to say, hey, don't, you know, look, if you, if you go past this number, that's okay. But just make sure your, your money, like your money, the money that you're making, your cash flow, which is, you know, money that's coming in, 
um, exceeds this. So like, what's a good rule of thumb that you, you usually tell people to keep their debt uh, at? Yeah, so, so keep in mind that when it comes to debt to income ratio, it's about monthly payments, right? Which actually, this sounds interesting, but you can actually manipulate those monthly payments, right? You can ask the student loan company to put you on an income-based repayment and they'll drop your, drop your payment. You can ask the credit card company to lower your payment. So what I would say is, let's say, let's go back to that $40,000 a year example, which is roughly $3,500 a month, right? Going back to that example, you, you got $3,500 a month, right? And then uh, the bank, including the house, they want you to be lower than 45%. So let's just do 50% to keep the math simple. 3,500 divided by two is 1750, right? So including your house payment, you know, we want your debt to, to be 1750 or less a month. So that means house, car, credit cards, you know, student loans. And so kind of give you a typical example, a house that's a thousand dollars a month is roughly 150. Right. So out of that 1750, we just took a thousand out. So you have another 750 to include your car, your student loans, your credit cards. You know what I mean? So so that's that's kind of an example. I know that's very detailed and I know you, you guys probably need to see it. I should have had a whiteboard out so I could draw it out for you. Right. Um, yes, exactly. But uh, um, just to kind of reiterate, if you're making $40,000 a year, you want to be less than 45 percent. But we're doing 50 percent for easy math. So 50% of the $3,500 a month is $1,750. Then we do, out of that $1,750, we got to include all your debts, including your house, your car, credit cards, student loans, right? Mm-hmm. And then most people want to, their, their house their house payment or their, or their rent is $1,000 to $1,200 a month, which is going to be anywhere between $150 and $180 in Columbus, right? Right. So out of that $1,750, we just took $1,000 out. We have another 750 to play with from a debt perspective. Right. Now, because obviously you work with, you work with obviously, uh, you know, people who have uh, made $40,000, but I'm quite sure that you've uh, worked with people who made more than that, right? Yes. And, so, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that you've met, you, you work with uh, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and people who are just, you know, normal workers, right? Yes. So, so. Walk us through the transition that, that you kind of walk people through in terms of like the money management aspect. So obviously we talked about, okay, hey, you work a job, 40000 or whatever amount of money. Here's how you need to look at it. But from an entrepreneur side of things, which you are, um, how like, like what's that process and, and how should entrepreneurs, you know, uh, approach their credit from, from that side? Yeah. So, whew, man, that's a that's a great question. And that. It also comes with another story, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, you, you need to do our best to take care of our credit, right? A lot of times uh, as an entrepreneur, and I was a young entrepreneur, James was also a young entrepreneur when he got started, we do whatever it takes to hit the goal. And I agree with that. But we also have to recover from doing things of that nature or monitoring our credit. For example, we'll, 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 we'll we're having a storefront or doing a coffee business or selling houses or whatever, and we need marketing material or we need product. So we'll max out our credit card to get that, uh, those items, but then they don't sell or they don't sell as quickly as we want them to. We still have to make our minimum payments, right? Take care of our credit, take care of our credit. Because as an entrepreneur, we often need credit even more to get the things we want because how the bank looks at it. The bank actually likes W-2s more than they like 1099s. And what that means is 
W-2 is typically correlated with a job, whereas a 1099 is correlated with somebody who's self-employed, somebody who's in sales, or somebody who's a, who's a, a contractor for a company. Right. Absolutely. And here's a tip for those who don't know this. So the government loved uh, uh, W-2s is because it's active income. And so if it's active income, they know exactly based upon that scale, right? You know, from 10 up to whatever, 50%, you know, that they're going to tax you on that are, hey, this is the tax amount. Mm -hmm. But if you're self-employed, it's more passive, right? Or they have to wait until the end because, again, as an entrepreneur, your money can fluctuate, right, Uh, throughout the months, Uh, which, again, that's just uh, a tip for those who may not know or have known that. So for tax purposes. So, okay, no, that, so that's great, right? So then now understanding from a business owner perspective. So let's kind of like dive into the, the nitty gritty. So I'm, I'm a business owner. And uh, one of the best practices that one of my mentors taught me was, uh, hey, James, you shouldn't have one account for everything that you're doing bills out of, right? Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, I, I used to do that when I, when I was young. So he said, hey, you know, a good rule of thumb is that you should have, uh, you know, anywhere between five to six, right? Mm-hmm. You should have one where you're, you're investing, where it's just mm-hmm. strictly for investment money. Then another another account is for savings. That's for rainy days. Mm-hmm. Then you should have another account where it's only for bills, bills yes. that you're paying, right, monthly. And then, you know, there's another account where now, and, and, you know, and again, everybody everybody's situation is different, but they say, hey, you should have fun money. Where you like, hey, if you want to go out, maybe fifty dollars or whatever the case may be, do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other account is, uh, the other account is, well, well, I forget the other. I, I don't know what the sixth one is, but <laughs> but uh, work with me, everybody. Yes. But uh, but is but what I'm saying is, you should have you should have that uh, separated. So do you subscribe to that? And, and if so, like let the audience know, like how did you get yourself up to that point uh, of like really being disciplined? Oh man, this is these are some great questions, James. I appreciate this for sure. Um, so I that was an issue for me for a long time. Was not at least good two to three years of the beginning of my career where I didn't know how to separate out those accounts where money was what it was either I had money or I didn't, and I had to use credit cards or whatever to to to, to fill in the gap, which I had to stop. So here's what happened: I got to a point where I, I got tired of going through that that same process in motion. And I listened to this book called The, the, the Richest Man of Babylon, right? Great book, uh, the story of a guy named Arcad, right? It's a very long book too, to be honest, if you listen to it on audio book. And towards the end of the book, it goes over these financial principles, these financial rules about how Arcad went from a servant to uh, essentially in our day, a multimillionaire. And uh, one of the principles that he shared in the book was simply um, putting away 10% of every check that you get, right? And so what I had to do was I knew that I couldn't put that money in an account with my name on it, right? I just, I wasn't going to be able to manage that money. I would go take it out of the bank account, spend it, put a debit card to it, whatever. So what, what I ended up doing, so so in the book, it talks, put, says put 10% away for yourself and put 20% towards your debts. And then I think it was another 10% towards like investments, um, and then the other 60 percent is the rest for life. Right. So what I ended up doing was like I ended up getting one of my family members to put get a bank account in their name that I could deposit in, but I could not um, withdraw out of. Right. And so 
Uh, and, and that family member was my grandmother. I knew she didn't need the money. She wouldn't spend my money. So I just asked her to, to get a bank account in her name that would transfer to me if anything happened to her. So we, we talked about it. She was totally cool with it. And so for about a year and a half, I put the 10% away. And then uh, I was also listen, listening to Dave Ramsey at, the, at that time and at that point. And I still love Dave Ramsey to this day. And of course, had read uh, his, his Extreme Money Makeover. And in that book, he talks about cutting up your credit cards. Now, I didn't particularly want to do that because I didn't know at the time that if I cut them up, I could order them again. I thought it was kind of over. So I didn't understand that. So what I did was I physically put mine in a freezer and froze them in a black ice for about nine, nine, 10 months. So that I could physically stop using them, physically get unaddicted from using credit cards in that way. And so I put away the, the, the 10% in my, in my grandmother's account. Uh, I was disciplined to that. I stopped using the credit cards in that way. And that kind of broke that, that habit and helped me get started on a new habit of, of those financial, that financial management. Wow. No, that that's 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 awesome, right? So I, I know that everybody have you know different experiences where hey they had to like unlearn some things and, and not you know uh, use credit cards because I can tell you you know that uh, I I've ran into that mistake. You know I remember my grandpa and you know God rest his soul. He uh, he told me he was like, hey James, you know credit cards of uh, of the devil. They're evil. So uh, I was like, all right, Grandpa, I will never touch a credit card ever in my life. And uh, but I did. Right. And so yeah. I was like, thank it. So. Uh, so, no, absolutely. I, I totally get that. And and I, I really like the, the mere fact of, of what you said about just really um, knowing yourself. Right. Having that self-awareness of where you're at and saying, mm, you know what? I know that this is an area of weakness for me. And I, if I do this, I already know I'm going to spend the money, right? So let me just let me just get with somebody I trust who can open up the account. I can't take money out, but I can put money in. Yeah. And so and so, how long did you do that? Um, I did. I did it for a year and a half. And so, a uh, little bit off subject, but but what happened in the year and a half? I got opportunity to 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 buy a a cheaper house and kind of do one of my first investment deals of sorts, right? And so I told my grandmother, hey, can you withdraw the money for me or can we go to the bank and I withdraw the money so I can buy this house? And she said, yep, we went up there and did that. And, and the ball started rolling from there. But that, if you if you listen to read that book, The Richest Man in Babylon, it talks about that, that way, that opportunities will present themselves to either that, that are going to help you out or take your money if you don't understand it. And I, I would say that the Rich Man of Babylon is such a great book because it talks about people investing in things that they don't understand. And for me, I understood real estate. So it was a perfect opportunity for me. Absolutely. So let, let's let's kind of just uh, work with that. Right. Um, because the, the reality is, is that, you know, to be in business, you know, you're looking to make, uh, you know, money. Right. And obviously in business, you're looking at profits and, and ROI. But uh, but in the in, in the and the gist of all of this is really you're you're trying to identify what's an asset yeah. and what's a liability, right? Preach, right? And so look, and, and for those who may not have read this book, uh, there's a there's an author by the name of Robert Kiyosaki. Yes, he has a series called Rich Dad Poor Dad. I yes. mean, he has Rich Dad Poor Dad, retire retire young, retire rich, uh, financial IQ. Um, you know, what to do, uh, what to do or what questions to ask before you retire. I mean, like 
He has these books, right? They're great books, so, too. Let's help our audience out right quick. So yeah. with credit and trying to understand disciplines and trying to get your finances under control, like explain to the audience about like identifying what's an asset and what's a liability. Because obviously you talked about debt, but yes. not all debt is created equal, right? Agreed. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, so so let's talk about what liabilities are from my from my entrepreneur and somebody that work just working a job standpoint, right? And uh, liabilities are, are any debts or anything that's taking money out of your pocket and not providing you a return, right? So I'll give you an example. And this is, this is for, for those who went to, to, to college. Not all student loans are liabilities. Now, we would easily think that. But if you were a doctor, a lawyer, an attorney, uh, accountant, something where your student loan debt created a return for you, then, then that is can actually be an asset of sorts or help you get that asset, which is that job. The question, though, on that student loan debt, that liability is, is your student loans payment greater than 50 percent of what you're making monthly? Which I've seen that with, with, with people. I mean, they, they went to colleges and went out of state and got crazy amount of student loans for the job that's only paying them sixty seven thousand dollars a year. They got two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. So um, so let me get back to it. So. Some some liabilities can definitely be student loans, uh, can definitely be credit cards, can definitely be uh, personal loans, uh, and can be a, a car loan as well, depending on if you make money with your car or not. So uh, assets are things that bring in income. So it can be your job, can be your business, can be real estate. Uh, it can also be assets, things that uh, that don't make you money on a monthly basis, but actually increase in value. So that can be jewelry, and that can be stocks and bonds. Um, you know, that can be uh, even today cryptocurrency. So there's a lot of things that can be considered assets, but as long as it's building that asset column and also that liability column, you got to be mindful of both. Right. And so what is the end goal then for like when, when you're in real estate? Because obviously you're like, hey, uh, if somebody wants to be a real estate agent, um, like what 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 is it that what are some of the good like maybe mindsets and disciplines to say, hey, look, when you get in, here's what you want to identify and start to get right into, right? Uh, because yeah. I mean, look, these things are important, um, yeah. especially when you're dealing with people's lives, right? Because I mean, yeah. when, when you're when you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to, hey, I'm helping you to find a house and take on a responsibility of a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand yeah. dollar house that the bank will require you to owe back, regardless of how you feel about it," right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what what are some of those those mindsets and disciplines that that, that you just uh, remind agents or even people out there in business uh, to keep in mind? Yeah. So I, I would tell you, if you want to become a real estate agent, that you do have to go to real estate school. Right. But you also want to work with a team or a group of people that are being very successful on the real estate space to be taught by them, because being a real estate agent, it can look very glamorous. But it can be very time consuming and you have to care about people in order to help them buy a house or make a major life changing decision or purchase in their life. You just really have to love them and also to be patient with them. And so because people are making humongous decisions, some people buy a house quick. Some people take them well over a year, year and a half to find the house they want and to feel comfortable with the decision they're taking on. Right. Um, and so what I would say is that. Um, is to, to definitely be patient with people, to listen, to uh, ask questions, 
And then to definitely explain the process of, of how someone goes from step A to step B, from, from renting to become a homeowner. Wow. So, so let, let, let's kind of run this down, you know, uh, right quick, because obviously we have a few minutes here, but I, I, want, I want you to explain to the audience um, as, you know, people who are maybe just employees, right? And they're like, hey, look, I, I just, I want to be able to kind of get out of the situation that I'm in, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's one. Then you have another group who may be, who may be like, okay, I, I work, but I want to be an entrepreneur on the side, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're like, all right, so I'm trying to get that together. But mm -hmm. then there's that three, right, where people say, I'm just a full-time entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, all right, cool. Let, let's get out here. Let's make it happen. Let's make mm -hmm. this money, right? Mm -hmm. You know, let, let's get it. So so to those three, and, and, you know, and obviously the fourth group is the people who just want to just, you know, work a job. Nothing wrong with that, right? It's, it's great. Um, not, nothing ter terrible about that. Um, or like kind of much off the, the government, but that's here nor there. I, I, I said I wasn't going to go there, but anyway, so, um, but no, so in these, in these groups, these three groups, uh, let's just kind of walk through with each one of those to say, Hey, you know, if, if this is where you're at, Hey, what's the mindset to getting over to, Hey, just work your credit work, make sure that you're working your credit this way. And just make sure that you're not accruing certain types of liabilities, right? Yes. Because there's good liabilities, there's bad liabilities, right? Yes. There's bad debt. So explain to the audience, to those three groups, hey, just identify with these liabilities and debts before you actually decide to go forward with those. Yeah, yeah. So um, to what, what I want to tell you what comes to mind when we, we brought up this subject was uh, it comes brings back to the student loan piece again, right? Because there's people that they were young, their parents or grandparents didn't know. They got into a situation that um, is not the most beneficial for them at this time. So the question is, how do they not create other liabilities or situations because of that one circumstance that is now not so good for them or their student loan debt is high? So yeah, I would simply say that um, sometimes you gotta you got to discipline yourself got to kind of sacrifice and say, I can't do this yet, but I will. Right. And sometimes too, like, I think you also have to set incremental rewards. Like one of my friends, they're paying off their student loan debt. We got well over a hundred thousand. Right. And so I think it's like eight different loans. So they're kind of, they're just kind of, as Dave Ramsey would say, they're baby stepping it. You know, they're, they're, they're chunking it down, taking the smallest one to the biggest one. And at the end of each, you know, her and her husband, they, they've set some rewards for her at the end of each. And so I would say just taking that time to even also get an accountability partner to help you make solid financial decisions. And so I think in this day and age, a lot of people recognize that they may not be the best financial manager. So there's plenty of people out there, including James and even other people that can give you some advice, give you some hold you accountable as well to what the goals that you have and where you want to go. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, again, you know, I, I know that you, like you said, you know, being in real estate, looking at credit and really trying to, to, to manage your money because look, at the end of the day, you ain't, you ain't stepping into no house for free, right? No. That's just that's, not, you know, that's just not the case. So yeah, you have yeah. to know, you have to have these disciplines and say, okay, hey, how, like, how should I approach this, right? Um, in, in that way. And, and, I, and I'm assuming that even with your clients, right? That, um, and, and I know there's a fine line 
right? There's a fine line with, you know, like kind of coaching and giving them financial advice. I get it. Absolutely. But, you know, right. But, but, but I, I'm quite sure that there's been some, some, some come to Jesus conversations that you're like, Hey, look, uh, I don't really know. Like based upon like these, like these criterias, this criteria right here, uh, I don't think that's the best, the best choice. Like, have you ever had those conversations? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had one just the other day and people actually appreciate that. But what I tell people is that, look, I'm not going to stand in your way, right? If this is what you want to do, I will help you do it. I just want to tell you that maybe look, maybe think about it like this as well, right? Very, very, very um, careful how I express that because I don't want to ever tell a grown woman, a grown man that, you know, how they need to be operating their life for their finances. Just try to give you some advice, say, hey, look, this may be best. But if you want to go to this direction, I'll happily help you do that, right? Um, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, bite off my own hand, right? Um, but I'm thinking about one of my clients, right? And um, helping her uh, buy her second house right now. And um, I had sold a house to her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law had run it for 30 years, right? And uh, she never thought she'd even be able to own a house. Didn't know anything about it. And uh, I was referred to her by uh, her landlord's neighbor. So, boom, sold her house. Then she told her daughter-in-law. Her daughter-in-law uh, sold her a house. And her daughter-in-law bought the house for me four years ago. And I didn't realize this at the time, but I guess she was about 26. Now she's 30, buying her second house, uh, about to have a baby. And she's going to make some decent money from selling her house and putting some of that money into her next house and have some money saved over, left over. And she's so excited about that possibility and what it came down to is proper financial management. Even though she bought a house, she's still in position to buy her next house. And so, so excited for her. So excited to see also, too, those, those light bulbs going off. And even in her kids, her kids are asking questions. We're going out looking at houses. Her kids are asking, oh, how do I become a real estate agent? They're asking, oh, how do I buy a house? They're, you know, they're seven years old, three years old, or five years old, whatever it is. And I'm excited because it's the next generation taking a hold of the dream uh, of home ownership. Absolutely. There's also a board game um, I'm going to recommend. Yes. It's called Cashflow. Right? Love it. It's called Cashflow 101, Cashflow 202, and yes. there's a Cashflow for Kids. Yes. Um, I am currently teaching my kids as we speak awesome. on, uh, on uh, cash flow, Farson, what's liabilities, what's assets. Um, and I, I will highly recommend to any and every person out there that, hey, especially in our community, get the board game. Okay. Yes. Uh, now, uh, some people say, well, how much does it cost? Does it matter? Because uh, I, I know there's people right now that stands that that's that goes to the mall, stand in a line for three hours, <laughs> Michael Jordan's paying $300 for him. Doesn't matter how much the board game is. <laughs> Go out and get the board game and start teaching your kids these uh, financial uh, principles for sure. So anyways, uh, that, that was my spiel. So sorry about that, uh, Donald. But, uh, but in closing, hey, just let the, let the audience know how they can reach out to you. What, what is it that you got going on if you have anything going on? And, and how they can get in contact. Yeah, so uh, right now, help people buy or sell homes. Um, so if you know anybody looking to buy or sell a home, definitely reach out to me. Um, my uh, Facebook is uh, just Donald Payne Jr. on Facebook, as well as Instagram, Donald.pyn. And uh, you can always catch me at www.visionrealty.com. And then uh, my phone number is 614 447 
1-800-242-3173 or email is Donald Payne Jr. at visionrealty.com. But uh, I want to thank you for having me today. It's been great. I hope you uh, continue to grow in your credit, grow in your life financially, more assets and liabilities, wishing you the best. Thank you so much, Kingdom Success University. And thank you, Mr. James Beecher, for having me today. I've, I've loved it. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And uh, those were uh, some wise words from a wise man. And uh, audience, I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining us, Kingdom Success University. Please subscribe uh, in the YouTube channel and the podcast. You have a great day. To view all recordings, please go to my YouTube channel, which is called Kingdom Success University, or visit my website at www.beachamsconsultingservices.com. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Success University podcast.